0: It's time to take the quiz. 5 questions, 5 minutes a day, 5 days a week.
1: Take the quiz every weekday at the quiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course listen to the quiz at the quiz.fox.
2: From the Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade.
3: Hi, everyone. I'm Brian Kilmeade. Welcome to the latest moment to the Brian Kilmeade Show. I hope you had a fantastic weekend. I did have a chance Saturday. It was kind of work, but uh, Messi came to Red Bull Arena, so the number one athlete in soccer, the world's most popular game, uh, brought his game to New Jersey, and it was pretty amazing. I kind of wish he didn't sit out the first half, but when he did play... He did score and was one of those events that uh, could really be a changing thing. As you know, I've been involved in soccer for quite some time. Uh, With me in studio is uh, Doug Burgum, the governor of North Dakota, but he's also a candidate for president. And Jonathan Turley, uh, the constitutional law professor at the bottom of the hour, Fox News contributor. And he talks about the four cases and a lot of dramatics taking place today. I want to add this. We're also tracking the latest on this hurricane about to slam into Florida. Uh, we're watching now Governor DeSantis address uh, address the dangers and the evacuation orders. Before we get to the governor of North Dakota, let's get to the big three.
2: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's big three. Number three.
4: The founder and CEO of uh, Charisma started bringing in people who could provide protection for him. Hunter Biden was uh, among them. There's no doubt in my mind. That Parisma was engaged in illegal activities.
3: All right, and that is Victor Shokin, who I interviewed on Saturday night that you saw. I actually interviewed him earlier. The White House responded. That is the prosecutor famously that was fired by Joe Biden, and he thought it was really cool. We're finding out more, and he's probably sweating it, sweating it out now. It reaches uh, John Kerry's office. New revelations and the latest on the fight versus the Russians.
2: Number
5: two, No Labels is is challenging the political status quo and, in a way, the control that the two parties have over our political system. By large numbers, they don't want to have to choose between President Trump and President Biden.
3: And No Labels, headed up by Joe Lieberman, has got some momentum. In fact, they're even going to have their own convention in April, 2024. Trump leads Desantis. Uh, DeSantis stabilizes, Haley gains, and others gain after a big debate. And now a third-party candidate's win or just spoil? You tell me, do they have a legitimate chance? They seem to think so.
6: Number one. This is one more piece of evidence that, that indicates Jack Smith is engaged in a partisan political indictment of President Trump. Nine weeks before the first indictment drops, he has his uh, his appointed person there at the White House meeting with him. It's, it's, it's outrageous.
3: Yep, it's called coordination, and it shows. Once again, we have been lied to by the Biden bunch. The White House and Justice Department found to be meeting prior to the blizzard of Jack Smith's indictments. Well, we have the we have the latest on the unwieldy Georgia case. Uh, It seems like some uh, of the 19 defendants want their case moved up for a speedy trial. It's all complicated. And Governor Burgum, when you ran for president, you thought you'd be diving into the issues one after the other. And how frustrating has it been to hear the first? And I heard it two weeks ago and I brought it up on the show. The first five minutes of every interview or five questions are all about Trump and indictments. Is that frustrating for you?
0: Well, it's frustrating for me because I care about the country and I care about the American people. And we're in a Cold War with China. We're in a proxy war with Russia. We've got energy policies under the Biden administration that are destabilizing the world and raising the price of everything for every, not just gas and oil and diesel and electricity, but raising the price of everything. And inflation is choking everyone in this country. And then, of course, the, until the Hunter Biden thing came along, this was clear that as long as we weren't talking about Biden's record, that was helping him get reelected. And so part of our campaign from day one is we've got to have people that are focused on Biden's record, the challenges that we're facing as a country, and the solutions that we have and the leadership that's going to take to resolve those.
3: I thought it was almost hysterical that Governor Waltz of Minnesota followed you on Meet the Press. And he said, well, Governor Bergen would talk about his Trump. We have all these policies. And then finally, Chuck Todd actually had to say, you know, in fairness, I did ask him about that. Uh, I asked about Trump. So I'm a little to blame. I mean, they really want to get away with this as if you would prefer to talk about someone's indictments. You don't even have a law background that doesn't pay for anyone. And Chris Christie is. Chris Christie is trying to make his name. How how do you cut through?
0: Well, I I think the. What we do is we just focus on the things that matter to most Americans. We know that the thing that's right now on everybody's mind is the economy. And when you've got interest rates at 22-year high, inflation, 700 bucks a month more of the average family is paying right now versus when Biden was elected. I mean, right. you ask the question, are you better off now than when Biden got in an office? The answers are screaming, resounding no. And the thing about inflation, Brian, too, that we forget about because they just talk about, oh, the price of your eggs or whatever – inflation, these hardworking families, they've been putting away savings. And price, if prices are 30% higher, that means their savings is 30% lower. That means what you worked your whole life and thought you're going to retire on now has got a third less purchasing power. And that's the part to me where it just breaks my heart because it's so corrosive in terms of eating into not just today to put food on the table today, but it eats into tomorrow if people have got savings. And then the American dream is all about home ownership who can who can buy a home when home prices are that much higher and then interest rates are this high
3: so what's interesting is the fed has one move if i want to calm down the economy get people to stop spending and make the dollar grow in value i'm going to raise interest rates so if the economy gets stronger if the economy gets stronger and pays a great volume there's more of a chance of interest rates growing up so it's almost as if you have to show that it's working by being by not shopping by not going on vacation, by not driving your car, to keep the Fed in check. I mean, their hope is to get us to stop consuming, correct?
0: Well, stop consuming and stop building and, like, stop building uh, you know, new homes, which is a big driver of, of our economy. But here's the thing that's also wrong. And to wrong. do that, you raise rates, make it harder to build. You raise rates and you sort of try to cool off the economy. But that might work if you didn't have – the Biden, which was called the Biden Inflation Reduction Act, but the Biden you know, Reduction Act is the Inflation Creation Act because it drives out all this government spending. And the rescue package that we didn't need that we had just spent in December of that month. Correct. And so when you're, we have all this federal spending that's being driven out into the economy, that's not affected by interest rates. Take a state like North Dakota. We get a chunk of money through the Infrastructure Act to build roads. Our bids come back. They're 30 percent higher. If I was in the private sector, I'd be like, this doesn't pencil out. We don't build the road. But we only got six months a year to build roads like all the northern states. So we build 70 miles of road instead of 100 miles of road. And guess what? We're consuming steel, concrete, labor. So you could actually have the Fed choke the private sector to the point where the economy stops, and then we'll still have inflation, Brian, because of all the federal stimulus Mm -hmm. that was shoved into the economy.
3: You know what's so interesting is that, The working class seems to be and the blue collar middle class seem to be going to Republicans to the point where Democrats are admitting it, that it's changed over the last eight years when they tried to make Mitt Romney this elitist that wanted to carve up, buy companies, carve them up and send people to the poorhouse. We all knew that was dumb and comic book, but it seemed to sell. That has changed. Do you find that when you look at your polling before you even jumped in here as governor of North Dakota, did you find that the blue collar was going Republican?
0: Well, I've seen it in our own state, and I've seen it across the across the country when we've been campaigning. Which is, the folks that are that are concerned about the issues that we're talking about, it's the farmers, it's the ranchers, it's the guys working in the oil fields, the energy workers. Uh, it is the law enforcement. It's military. I mean this is the, the people that make America work are the ones that are the ones that have supported us. It's the reason why we've won by over forty points in North Dakota, both in sixteen and, and in twenty, is because we listen to and right. take care of the people that are making this country work. So
3: I want you to hear what Senator Bernie Sanders and also know politics. He's only saying for a reason there's a bit of panic on the left. And by the way, he's way left. Cut 10.
0: It is absolutely absurd that given the anti work ideology and policies of the Republican Party, that that party now
4: has more working class support than Democrats. Democrats are losing more and more support within the Latino community and even among
0: African-American men.
3: So uh, the mic wasn't great, but you know his message. He's at New Hampshire where he probably win again in New Hampshire. Uh, Joe Biden just gave up on the state. What's your reaction to his conclusion? Why do you think he's doing this? Well, it, that doesn't
0: make any sense to me. I mean, it's like they're what they're surprised that people are moving towards a Republican Party when we're, you know, pro small business, pro family, pro wealth creation, pro making sure that, you know, if you work for a day, you get an honest day's pay. I don't know why they'd be surprised at all that when, you know, their party is focused on, again, the ideology around Around climate, because in this country, if you say you you disagree on climate, you get canceled. We have to be able to talk about climate policy because you can't say that the climate policy that actually empowers China, which is if you want to go to all EVs and all EV batteries and subsidize EV cars for wealthy people and then buy the batteries from China – It's like it's like China wrote Biden's energy policy. It makes no sense. And so that's what their party is all about.
3: And and if they actually cared about the environment, you'd want to have all that energy produced here in America. I just want to share this with you for a second and just say, if you do get the nomination, Governor Burgum, you're going against Joe Biden, I think. But listen to what Ro Kahana, a well-meaning left wing Democrat from California, says that Joe Biden should do as his approval rating is just at thirty nine percent approval on the economy is at thirty two percent. Here's the problem as he sees to cut 11.
1: Congressman Kana, you said back in April that you felt that the White House was being too overprotective of the president, that it basically wasn't letting him get out there enough and uh, be his authentic self. Do you feel that uh, top aides in the White House got that message?
7: I think they do. The president has a great story to tell. He's bringing back manufacturing in Ohio, $20 billion in Ohio of new uh, industry. He is focused on the working class. I was actually just in South Carolina yesterday with Bishop Green at a and Church. And the faith community has a lot of support for him. He's a better politician than anyone who works for him. Let him be out there.
3: What do you think? Do you really think that anyone who's seen Joe Biden not know how to leave a stage should go out there? Well, I, for the Republican
0: side, I hope he gets out. It'll there. It'll be the there.
3: best thing ever for I Republicans. Get
0: him out there, and you know, and then get him on a debate stage and actually have a conversation about it. But do you it, think he will? Well, you know, again, I don't would know why he would. I mean, they won last time from the basement. I'm sure that's their strategy. But he did yeah. debate twice. Yeah, well, that was a, that's a whole different story to talk about. But I would. Say again on the if it's on on the merits of the policy and what Biden is doing. I mean, I think one thing, Brian, that just hasn't been talked about is take a look at this. Here we are, you know, inching towards potentially World War Three because of the Cold War with China and the proxy war with Russia, and the Biden energy policies, which are literally destabilizing the world. What they're doing with Iran, you right. know, they're they're basically hugging Iran, and and then this thing that just recently they're going to release six billion dollars of assets in south korea to release five americans when i'm president we will do everything we can to fight to save every american life release that but if you right now as a former person that started as an entrepreneur but built a global business and had people working in over 100 countries every american business leader who's traveling right now is in more danger today because biden is saying america will will release you know 1.2 billion in assets for every american who's who's kidnapped i mean this is like he green-lighted uh, China to take over Afghanistan the day we pulled out. He greenlighted he Russia to go into the Ukraine, and now he's greenlighting any terrorist group in the world, and it starts with Iran, who's you know supports uh, all of these terrorist groups to start kidnapping Americans, and they and this is progress.
3: So Gina Raimondo is now, as Secretary of Commerce, is now touching down in Beijing. She is there making some statements, uh, and she says that uh, the secretary says she wants uh, to find actionable, concrete steps where we can move towards a commercial relationship, but she offered no details. One matter to be discussed, promoting Chinese travel and tourism in the United States, with Armando noting that recent easing of oil restrictions on large Chinese groups visiting the U.S. Uh, So what's your reaction to her following Blinken and Yellen to go over to China? And Kerry And if Gina
0: is the fourth one, if she she doesn't say it in that press release, if they don't talk about using energy as our key point of leverage, China imports 10 million barrels of oil a day. And this administration does not bring it up with a country that would not run if that oil supply was interrupted. I mean, China would shut down. They've got other economic problems right now, but we can be energy dominant in this world and we're not even
3: talking about it. And uh, we're letting them get discounted oil from Russia and circumvent the sanctions while India is doing the same thing, though. Yes. And we should be we should be pressuring them to knock it off if they want to be allies. I understand people have complex relationship in this world, but we do have a certain amount of certain amount of leverage. China's economy is not doing well. People just assume because they're spending everywhere that they're doing well. They used to grow on 8 percent. Now they're going at 3 percent through the through the lockdowns. People are losing confidence. Nobody is spending there. They lose confidence in their government. Uh, they see a quality of life drop and they can't get 18 to 25 year olds a job. This is an opportunity, isn't it? It's a fantastic opportunity. And Brian, you're so
0: right on those statistics on the 18 to 20, you know, the 24 year olds. They stopped releasing the unemployment data a few weeks ago because it was so bad. It was up in the 20s. They have 10 million college graduates that are just coming out of school that don't have jobs, and they're facing a real estate collapse that could make our 2008 crash look like nothing. But you know what countries do when you're, you're a dictatorial leader and your economy's collapsing? You go to war. That's the way you. I mean. So I think the risk on Taiwan's mm-hmm. higher than ever. And then, just like we didn't do the t- right deterrence to stop Putin, we're not doing the right deterrence to stop China from entering Taiwan. Governor, hold
3: on a couple more minutes. Uh, you listen to the Brian Kilmeade show. It's a it's a great Monday. Bottom of the hour, Jonathan Turley. We bring you inside these developments today in the courtroom in Georgia and what it means. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade show.
2: Newsmakers and newsbreakers here at first on the Brian Kilmeade show.
8: The Will Cain Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Cain as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts.
2: The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
3: Uh, Governor Doug Bergram's here, uh, just uh, fresh off the debate stage just a few days ago, where he did real well and performed with a ripped Achilles tendon, which they told you, Governor, just let it heal because we can't even, it, it's not a matter of reattaching it. So you just got to, like, gut it out? Yeah, well, I tore it so high it's up by the calf.
0: Uh, that there's not any way that a surgical option is being recommended. And so it's uh, going to be just uh, eight weeks of progressive casting. And, and uh, we, you know, we'll just, as you say, in North Dakota, cowboy up and get through it.
3: But it's unbelievable. You have to be on your feet in New Hampshire and Iowa and Nevada, perhaps.
0: Yeah, well, we went straight from the debate. Uh, next three days in New Hampshire, we're not letting us slow down
3: one, one, one bit. What, do they just give you whiskey and a rag and they wet it <laughs> down and let you bite down on it? So, Governor, <laughs> I was just telling you, And we were going over with the New York Minute, what's going on with illegal immigrants here. You told me a a fascinating stat because you were just at the border yourself. Ninety-eight countries represented streaming through the border. But what else could you tell me since Joe Biden took over? Well, just the total numbers. I mean, he even came out on the debate stage. One of the
0: candidates and uh, one of the hosts were tossed around numbers like six or seven million and nobody bats an eye. That's Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, Rhode Island. And you can throw in his home state of Delaware, Biden's home state, and Montana, and that gets you to six or seven million people. So think of like every man, woman, and child in those states equivalent of those states crossed the border uh, illegally into our country, and then we've relocated. You're those, governor. those are the ones we know about, because when I'm down there, the discussion at the border is, these are the ones that have been you know apprehended and they know there's a group called God the godaways the godaways number is like you know add 50% add another 3 4 states on top of
3: that and governor here's the thing if i told you you got a house you got a feed you got to get laundry service to 60,000 people where 100,000 will pass through the north dakota what would you say to me what would that do to your budget well it would cr- it would crush any place i mean there isn't any it's place it's crushing new
0: yorks it is it absolutely and it makes absolutely makes no sense at any level and of course let's just talk about it you know since Biden has taken office, the equivalent of four Vietnams have occurred in terms of deaths related to fentanyl overdoses.
3: Unbelievable. So, Governor, best of luck out there. You're close to qualifying for the second debate, right?
0: We're right on it. We'll be on. We'll be there for the second debate and looking forward to it. All
3: right. Governor Bergen playing hurt, but having a good time. Brian Kilmeade Show. Jonathan Turley next.
2: The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian
6: Kilmeade. Yes, it means a lot. Of course, this is one more uh, piece of evidence that, that indicates, again, what all of us know intuitively. Jack Smith is engaged in a, in a partisan political indictment of President Trump because he's the top rival to Joe Biden. There is supposed to be, everybody should understand this by now, the special counsel is supposed to be completely independent. Not only of the DOJ, but obviously of the White House, and so you have this this implication. One, one more, one more piece of evidence that seems to indicate they were all working together on this. Nine weeks before the first indictment drops, he he has his uh, his appointed person there at the White House meeting with him. It's 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 outrageous,
3: right? And that is Congressman Johnson uh, on the Judiciary Committee talking about the revelation in the New York Post this weekend that uh, the White House Counsel's Office met with, uh, top aide, I should say, top aide to Jack Smith, uh, met with the White House. His name is Jay Bratt. Weeks before, he brought charges against President Trump. He joined the special counsel team, did Bratt, November of 2022, shortly before, as it turned out, uh, before, before the uh, indictment was handed out, he took a meeting in the White House, March 31st, 2023, and Carol, with Carolina Saba, the deputy chief of, chief of staff to the White House counsel's office. They were joined at 10 a.m. Uh, meeting by Daniel Ray, an FBI agent in the Washington field office. Nine weeks later, Trump was indicted by the Smith's office on June 8th, 2023. Does that sound OK to you? Are we being too conspiratorial in bringing it up? Let's bring in Jonathan Turley. Jonathan, does does that interest you at all, that a possible link in this, this meeting that it did indeed happen?
9: Well, of course it interests me. It should interest everyone. We have to know more about that meeting. President Biden and the White House have said as a virtual mantra that they have had no communications with the Justice Department. They got no heads up as to potential indictments. And yet you have this meeting, and the burden, I think, is on the Justice Department. You know, the the public trust in the department at near an all-time low, if not there already, uh, a lot of the public feel that this is a politically motivated uh, series of prosecutions. Uh, So I think that this is one of those occasions where Mayor Carlin, again, has to be transparent but he's he, every one of these occasions, every one of these opportunities where Merrick Garland could step up and say, you know what, we usually don't do this, but these aren't usual times. Here's what happened. Here's what we know. He has failed to do so, and I expect he'll do, fail again to do so.
3: Well, uh, they said that they, they were just, just talking about a case. They didn't say that they were talking about this case. But I mean, is there another move, uh, another request that we could find out the content of that meeting that you know of?
9: Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, the question is, in my mind, is the assumption is that when he was effectively detailed over to the special counsel's office, that was the, the entirety of his portfolio. Usually you don't work with a special counsel and work on other cases. So the question is, if it was another case, was it another case? Within the special counsel's investigation, because if it is, that still leads to the same types of questions. I don't think the Justice Department is going to be any more forthcoming, and they're not going to answer those questions. What they what they have given so far is really not that helpful. I mean, I I think that it would be so much better if they could try to find a way to get out of mm. that comfort zone. And I understand that, uh, 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 that they are they are very reluctant to give details on this type of thing. But I think that they have to be transparent, at least with Congress. And there's <laughs> lots of ways to do it. You know, you can do it in ways that it isn't made public, that you speak to members of Congress under seal. Especially if you have nothing None to hide, john
3: If I had nothing to hide, oh yeah, let me just tell you about that meeting. It was about it was about using the White House lawn to make a bigger garden than Michelle Obama had. Whatever it was, show me some proof. But if you have something to hide, you do things like they're doing. So let's look at behavior. Trump's on trial. We have a lot to talk about. Mark Meadows in a Georgia court today to move his case to a federal court. Uh, what's going to be the pushback on that? And one of the big advantages, I imagine, would be if it's a Georgia if it becomes a federal case, all of Georgia could be a jury pool, right?
9: Yeah, you know, it's an interesting uh, hearing because on, on first blush, it would seem like Meadows has a particularly strong claim to move it to federal court. There's a federal statute that says that if you get sued over conduct that occurred during your federal service in a position of this kind, you can move it out of state federal court. And that has been done What's interesting is that Meadows in his briefs admits that most of the things that I'm accused of are politically in nature uh, because they related to the election. But he says that still doesn't mean that they're not part of my functions as a chief uh, as the chief of staff. What Willis is going to argue, the obvious retort is, well, we have a Hatch Act that says you're not allowed to do political things in federal office. So anything that's political isn't part of your duties for the purpose of removing them to the federal court. Now, it seems to me there's good arguments on both sides there. They have a judge who I think will likely be inclined to uh, rule for Willis, but one can't be certain. I, I actually think it's a tougher issue than a lot of it, uh, legal analysts have suggested because the chief of staff's position is an odd one. Uh, he's sort of the gatekeeper, scheduler, jack of all trades for a president. That means that he does get involved with yeah. political things. You and, know? J- and he was so, in
3: office, right, uh, Jonathan Turley? He yeah. was in office yeah. in and January. Yeah, and it gets
9: blurry. I think the line gets blurry. But the biggest argument that I would make in there if I were Meadows' attorney is Willis did this. Willis decided to have this super broad conspiracy over 160 acts and speeches and tweaks. She just threw everything into the pot. Some of those are going to be official acts in character for Meadows. So she threw the net so broadly, um, then it's on her head. This should go to federal court.
3: All right. uh, So Mark Meadows, and then you have Sidney Powell and Kenneth Cheesborough, both want speedy trials, and they might be joined by John Eastman, who also wants a speedy trial perhaps. Will they be successful? And what does it mean for the entirety of the Georgia case? Well, I think it's a very clever move
9: because what Willis wants to do, I have a, a column coming out in, in The Messenger on this point today. And what Willis wants to do is to hold a mass trial, to hold to try these people collectively in the hopes that the jury sort of paints them all with the same brush and has sort of collective judgment. And so she wants nineteen people in the dock and And for them to render judgment on them and gross, no defendant would welcome that uh, because some of these defendants are accused of very insular, very specific acts that don't seem connected to other people, like going and trying to knock on the door of of a Georgia official to convince her to support the president. People like that are going to want to have independent trials Um, So what they're willing to do is to give up some of the time that they would have to prepare so that they're not just tried in mass. Well, they'll be successful. They have a right to that. Right. They have a right to a speedy trial. Is
3: Willis going to be ready?
9: Well, Willis will. But what she won't get then is that it means that some of these defendants are going to say, no, heck no, we're not waiving it. I mean, we are going to waive a speedy trial because we need added time. So. Her, her dream of having a mass trial may quickly evaporate because some people may go to federal court. Others may be asking for a speedy trial, while most may mm-hmm. be saying, no, we need more time.
3: Including Trump. Trump wants to delay, delay, delay until uh, after the election, where hopefully he gets to a federal court and can pardon himself. Uh, I want you to hear what Sarah Isger, who used to work for Trump in state but has become vehemently anti-Trump. This is what you because legally, obviously, a lawyer cuts heaven.
10: And I think part of the problem that we're seeing with these repeated indictments, they're very broad. even some lawyers, I don't think can follow all of the different sort of charges and what they exactly mean. They should have gone for the narrow rifle-shot approach here, the documents case, maybe the fake electors. And instead we have something much more broad that I think is psychically uh, making Democrats very happy on the left. but in reality it's exactly what, what Chuck said, which is it is helping Donald Trump in this primary it's why he didn't have to go to the debate. he's getting all the media and attention he needs.
3: You agree?
9: Well, I do think that these are overbroad. Um, and I have said all along that the documents case is a serious case uh, and it's getting more and more serious. I think that the the changing of the testimony of the uh, of Trump employee four is, da- is likely to be damaging. Uh, and so that case is built is much more sort of narrow and confined in comparison to these other cases. And it doesn't have the added baggage of these threshold constitutional questions. Uh, The problem for Trump is that trial judges largely say, if you don't agree with our threshold decisions on the Constitution, you still have to wait for me to try you. And if you're guilty to sentence you and then you can go to the court of appeals, a lot of court of appeals support that view because they feel like it's premature. If you haven't been convicted, that's really unfortunate here because you have obviously a a person who is the leading candidate for the presidency. Uh, And some of us believe that these threshold problems could could sink these prosecutions, though many don't uh, but some of us do, and it'd be nice to have a resolution on that
3: so i I don't know anything about these lawyer fees, but there's a big story about it's going to you to be prepared to spend if you've been naming this nineteen or if you're any co conspirator of over two hundred thousand dollars in lawyer fees, and there was a sense even Rudy Giuliani these no one can really afford these these legal fees. Do you think Trump is wrong to not cover them or are these going to be so pricey he probably can't?
9: Well, first of all, there's always problems with Trump covering fees of people who are co-defendants, because there's a suggestion Legally. that you are, you know, supporting their testimony, their position, their loyalty. So if he wanted it to write a
3: check, it might be a problem. Yeah, it doesn't mean
9: that people cannot have a legal fund to support them, because— There's no question in my mind, when I read the list of defendants in the in the Georgia case, it seemed to me very clear that she was targeting low hanging fruit uh, because she wants them to to uh, cooperate with her. Uh, And a lot of these people are very minor figures, uh, but she needs to get some witnesses Uh, what they're facing is pretty horrible. I mean, they're facing financial ruin. Uh, to be able to pay for an attorney, and they may ultimately go to jail if if there's this collective judgment. They're, in any such case, they're likely to be in court for years. So when a, when a prosecutor then comes and says, "How would you like to avoid all that? Just you know, give us what we need," uh, people do flip. And you know, the 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 alternative to, in my view, to deal with the financial problems are for people separate from Trump, to create a legal fund to support mm-hmm. uh, defendants if they want to.
3: Interesting. So I got this last uh, thing that's on the docket today. In D.C. where you are, uh, the documents case, Trump lawyers at 10 a.m. will be in front of a judge, and that judge will decide the trial date for the documents case. We know that Jack Smith wants to do it right after the new year, right, upon, like, right in around January 2nd or the 6th. What do you think will happen? And what do you think it's, how how in stone will this decision be?
9: Well, no trial date is truly etched in stone because you don't know all the problems that are going to come up. There's going to be challenges, appeals, and even though court of appeals judges tend not to want to do what's called interlocutory appeals, that is those appeals before a verdict, they still do occur on some issues. And so there can be delays for that purpose. There's also evidentiary problems that can come up uh, that are just hard to resolve. So I wouldn't say this is etched in stone. What's interesting is that the judge, uh, Judge Chokin uh, in D.C. previously said, I'm not going to really give any special treatment to Trump just because he's running for president. Well, if that's the case, then we could have a serious pileup. But at the end of the day, these judges are going to have to take note of the fact that these trials are now daisy chained, uh, you know, front to end, running almost to the the general election. If you include the civil cases, at some point, a judge is going to have to say, "Wow, that's really I, I think undermining due process for this defendant. Nobody can yeah. just run pillar to post."
3: But but it will be the judge's decision. That judge's decision alone. They'll she'll hear yeah, both the, sides and she'll say, okay, well, uh, okay, I'm going to make my decision. It's going to be January 6th. I guess I imagine the president's going to ask for the next. Uh, the former president's going to ask for the following year.
9: Yes, and I think that the president's going to ask for after the election. I uh, and my assumption is that the judge is not going to be inclined to do that. But if the date is close to the election, uh, then it makes it more likely that down the road something could happen that's going to kick that back a little further.
3: Right. Uh, I guess we'll find out. And maybe if they split the difference, it just seems to me the way he was described where everyone's got to get this top secret security clearance in order to review the documents that Trump has to see how much trouble he could be in. By the time you do all that and get all the discovery and get the clearances and then put together the conclusions That, to me, was a hard case to get ready for.
9: It is. And I've I've been lead counsel in those classified cases, and it is an absolute uh, madness, uh, not only to get clearances, but uh, just to fight over these classified documents. The government's notorious for holding back uh, material, even from cleared counsel. But all those arguments have to occur in a skiff. So all (laughs) those arguments are also
3: classified. So it slows everything down. Go get him. Jonathan Turley, thanks so much. Man, do we need you more than ever. Appreciate it. (laughs) Thank you. It's a lot of reading. 1-866-408-7669. You listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Back with your calls.
2: Expanding your knowledge base. It's The Brian Kilmeade Show. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade.
4: I have no doubt that there were illegal activities engaged in by uh, Burisma. As a matter of fact, the criminal case had been started before me. It continued to expand, and Vorchevsky, who at the time held the post of minister and was the founder and CEO of uh, Burisma, started bringing in people who could provide protection for him. Hunter Biden was uh, among them, and the corruption network expanded as a result. So, yes, to answer your question, uh, There's no doubt in my mind that Burisma was engaged in illegal activities.
3: So that was Victor Shokin. He was the prosecutor who who was accused of not investigating Burisma, so he was fired. Uh, Now he was investigating Burisma. How do we know this? Well, Victor Shokin said it. No one's talked to him since he was fired that I know of. He's got a book ready to go. He can't find a publisher. He's got a fixed income, $800 a month, roughly. He's hanging out in in a war-torn Ukraine. And he also feels as though they're trying to kill him. He's been poisoned twice with mercury poisoning. Says he was literally dead, but he wants to fight back and get his story out. And he's willing to testify in front of Congress. This is a major pushback in the Joe Biden narrative. This is a major story. The, the saying that we were looking into Devin Archer and Hunter Biden on the board. And in comes the vice president and he gets fired. And when the, one of the CIA guys who was in on trying to find out who's corrupt and who wasn't was told that Shoykin was fired. He goes, I was never told anything about that. And there's no proof that President Obama wanted his guy fired. So why was he fired? Was he getting too close to Joe and Hunter?
2: From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division, it's Brian Kilmeade.
3: Hi everyone, welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show, so glad you're here, come to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan, heard around the country, around the world. Uh, we will be joined by Ben Dominich in a matter of moments, and we'll be taking your phone calls. And keep in mind, too, I had a chance to see the number one event in New York over the weekend it was actually in New Jersey, the New York, New Jersey Red Bull, uh, playing a Red Bull arena where Messi came to town, where $46 tickets were 4000 or $5,000 tickets. Lowest price was $400 tickets. And it must have been very tempting, if you got cheap tickets or affordable face value tickets, to not sell And watch this historic event but he only played 30 minutes but it was pretty cool we'll put the piece online shortly uh let's get to the big three
2: now with the stories you need to know it's brian's big three number three
4: the founder and ceo of uh, charisma started bringing in people who could provide protection for him hunter biden was uh among them there's no doubt in my mind that Burisma was engaged in illegal activities.
3: There you go, Victor Shokin, finally speaking for himself since he was fired in 2015. He talked to me on One Nation over the weekends, creating a rump, uh, ripples across the world. Uh, the rumbles from Shokin interview began to take, uh, uh, shake free the truth from the Obama years, led by Vice President Biden. Now it reaches John Kerry's office and the latest on the fight versus the Russians.
5: Number two no labels is is challenging the political status quo and in a way, the control that the two parties have over our political system. by large numbers, they don't want to have to choose between President Trump and President Biden.
3: That is Joe Lieberman talking about the no labels ticket. Could they be ready to launch a ticket? They're going to have a convention in April. Man, that will just turn everything on its head. Trump leads, Trump leads right now, everybody. DeSantis stabilizes, Haley gains, and can a third-party candidate win or just spoil? I want your opinion.
6: Number one. This is one more piece of evidence that, that indicates Jack Smith is engaged in a partisan political indictment of President Trump. Nine weeks before the first indictment drops, he has his uh, his appointed person mm. there at the White House meeting with him. It's, it's, it's outrageous.
3: Uh, That is Mike Johnson joining me this morning, talking about the Shokin interview and also talking about the fact that Jack Smith had his deputy meeting at the White House weeks before the Trump indictments handed down. Are we still to believe there was no coordination with the Justice Department and the White House? Ben Dominich joins us now, Fox News contributor, editor at large for The Spectator World and host of the Ben Dominich podcast. Ben, welcome back.
8: Great to be with you, Brian, uh, and uh, plenty to talk about today. Yeah, I
3: mean, number one, you have the Shokin interview, but the new revelation, and I'll, I'll play some of that, but the new revelation that came out, I find somewhat fascinating. John Levine had it and it, uh, of the New York Post, and it mm-hmm. turns out that this guy, Jay Bratt, who was a special counselor uh, on the special counsel team in November 22, well, he was working with Jack Smith. Just weeks before charges were brought against Trump for allegedly mishandling classified documents, uh, his meeting with the White House, this was uh, meeting at the White House. This raised concern about a coordinated illegal effort aimed at President Biden's likely opponent. Man, doesn't that sound familiar? When Rudy Giuliani foolishly was walking around uh, Ukraine trying to find out anything on Joe Biden, there's probably a lot to find out, but you just don't investigate a potential political opponent in our system. Is there more to find out here?
8: Oh, I absolutely think that there's more to to find out here. And I think that as we do discover more, uh, you know, and John's a good reporter, so he's going to stay on that beat, I know. Uh, But it's it's one of these things where I think we're going to find out confirmations of a lot of things that I think have been suspected about the way that things were working behind the scenes. And, you know, a lot of the suspicions that people have here are born out of the fact that we were repeatedly told during the Russiagate experience uh, things that were just simply false uh, about the the way that this investigation was started and everything related to that, and then that we learned over over time You know, to the point that basically, well after the fact, uh, you know, at long last, New York Times reporters and the like uh, finally admit uh, that they kind of, you know, got the story wrong, that they missed things, but they do so well after the fact, well after the point where it would have mattered for them to get the story right. And I think that we need to be paying attention to that here as well. But that doesn't change the fact that these. Uh, that this scenario is one that is really troubling for Republicans. And I think it's one that is really a challenge for voters out there. You know, voters really want to win. It's what I hear whenever I go out and talk, you know, and and see people across the country. Republican voters understand how important it is to win, that you can't afford to have the kind of impact that could have with four more years of – you know, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, what have you, uh, you know, naming uh, Supreme Court justices potentially to replace Thomas and Alito, you know, to have the kind of impact on, uh, on, you know, what has been, you know, a a very strong conservative court in recent years uh, that they could, and and to have the kind of impact, I think, on foreign policy that they've already had in such a negative way over the past uh, couple of years, to continue that would be enormously risky for America and for the country. And so, so that makes it very important to win. But if you have someone who has is as polarizing as uh, the former president, also having to battle not just you know the Democratic machine in, in the normal way, and the media and everything else that's always arrayed against Republicans, he's also having to fight all these legal battles all at once, all across the country, and it's going to be something that, unfortunately, but, is both distracting and expensive.
3: And we know that uh, the president, if he didn't take the documents, if he just said, okay, I lost I'm I'm going to look into this with my lawyers. There would be no January 6th case. and There would be no documents case. So those would be two things. Uh, there would be no Georgia case. We know that. Yeah. There would probably be the domestic case, and I'm sure somebody, Alvin Bragg, would have drugged something up in New York. Of course, I, I of got course. it. And who knows? But if you see the way they were treating DeSantis when they thought that he was going to be the next Trump— the way oh, they went yeah. the, to think that if I know it's tempting and I think you were leading us down there to say, hey, you know what? There's so many headwinds against Trump. Just get out of the way so we can get you know, we can have uh, we can have DeSantis win or we could have a uh, Bergram win or we could have Nikki Haley win or something. Who do? They're going to hit them and make them seem like the worst person in the world. So it's not going to stop. So is there – and don't you think it's part of the reason why they got seven – Trump got $7 million raised since the fourth indictment?
8: Yeah, I think that one of the things that we have to understand is the more that they double down on this, the more that it seems like they would – uh, be, be using all of these different methods against DeSantis or against you know pick, pick whoever you want. Um, but the thing is, I think that you have to acknowledge that the former president has given them a ton of rope to do this with. I think so. Uh, and and that's the thing that I think is uh, is a hang up here. It's not just the kind of martyrdom. It's something that I think in many cases could have been avoided, uh, could have uh, could have gone differently, but it hasn't. Uh, and so the question is, do you want to run into uh, the the teeth of this democratic uh, machine and everything that? They want to do to chew up republicans you know with this with the former president even knowing kind of all the different things that are associated with him it is the kind of devil you know scenario there is there's you know we've got everything they've got everything that they've got out there i think and so it's not going to be some new uh shoe to drop some kind of 11th hour thing we all know what uh what he's up against uh, but that's something that i think you know we have to you have to evaluate as a voter and you have to say I'm willing to take that risk, even knowing kind of how how toxic the scenario is, because I also think, you know, and a lot of Republicans say this. They think he's the only one that can withstand it.
3: Right. Uh, And 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 I know it's tempting, too. But uh, just when I think to myself, yeah, if he only didn't take the documents, if he only didn't have January 6th speech, if he only just uh, didn't call Georgia. And then I think about Russia. Where, yeah. you know, he's out there going, yeah, I don't mind Vladimir Putin. Oh, really? We, we have proof that you can coordinate with Vladimir Putin to win an election. And he's illegitimate. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a second. If they could synthesize that, Ben, maybe there yeah. isn't there isn't anything he could have done, let alone make it easy. But just to finish the Brat story, Brat uh, met with uh, Saba. Uh, Saba. Caroline Saba is the deputy chief of staff of the White House Council. And then he was uh, joined in there by an FBI, uh, an FBI agent, and next thing you know, uh, the mar case becomes a full-blown investigation. And I want you to hear what Mark Levin said last night about Jack Smith. Not only is he all over the Menendez case where he blew it, uh, the McDonald case when he blew it because he overcharged, uh, this is what he might have been behind, cut to. In 2010, the Tea Party came on the scene, and Obama didn't like it.
11: And Biden didn't like it. So who was the head of the public integrity section back then? Jack Smith, Mr. Special Counsel. The Department of Justice arranged the meeting with Lois Lerner. Remember her? The senior IRS person who is sort of in charge of this war on the Tea Party. He goes on. Cut three. After reading it, Smith wrote the Department of Justice College, quote, check out the article on front page of New York Times regarding misuse of nonprofits for indirectly funding campaigns. This seems egregious to me, Smith wrote to his colleagues. Could we ever charge an 18 U.S.C. Section 371 conspiracy to violate laws of the United States for misuse of such nonprofits to get around existing campaign finance laws on limits? It was targeted, the article, on conservatives and the Tea Party. So Smith is saying, can't we criminalize this? And he's asking his people... (laughs) Can we use this statute? How do we go after these groups? How do we punish them? How do we put these people in prison?
3: So there's a lot there. we got to pursue it yourself. And I've totally, uh, yeah. you know, obviously I, I agree. Mark Levin is impeccable with his research. But does that blow you away that Jack Smith could have been behind the blow up of the Tea Party?
8: You know, it's, here's the thing that that uh, first off, I there's no way for you, Brian to you to have known this, but I actually already emailed Mark this morning about this, <laughs> and, wow. uh, and and it's been talking to him about it because I want to know more. I want to know more about what he was doing back then. Look, I got to see this up close in Virginia when he went after Bob McDonald, and it was c- so clear what they were trying to do. Bob McDonald, people may not remember at that point in his career he was viewed as a potential presidential stature level republican you know popular governor in a in a blue to purple state you know had, had had you know some significant success while he was uh, in charge, and they took him out with these completely trumped up uh, charges with the idea that his that his wife uh, you know had a relationship with a Donor that was uh, that was inappropriate but that they were buying access and things like that. By the way, they were talking about amounts of money that were much much smaller than anything Hunter Biden got for anything. So it's it's and and, and then of course the Supreme Court ultimately overturns this unanimously. You know, and he did overcharge him, and he did so taking out a very popular uh, Republican with a with a rising pr- profile uh, uh, nationally. That's something that I think we have to factor into everything related to Jack Smith. We need. We should deserve to know the kind of political animosity that he's shown in the past toward Republicans and toward potentially Tea Party groups as well.
3: Well, you know, like I know that he did blow the Menendez case too, end up in a hung jury. Menendez is getting trouble again, by the way. Just keep your eye on that. People Mm -hmm. want to ignore he's up for reelection. Really seems to have got himself knee deep in a lot of crap, as usual, with a woman that was once poor and now has uh, dozens of gold bars. I don't think there's anything wrong there. What could possibly have happened? Uh, Come on. I don't want to be. Now let's talk about this. I had a chance to interview uh, Shokin last week. And it was so impactful. They said, Brian, can you wait uh, a few days because we have to have the White House respond? And they tried to dismiss it. But the facts of the case, along with the Devin Archer interview, make it impossible to buy Joe Biden's story that he's just a corrupt prosecutor and he did the world a favor. And by the way, he was all over Burisma. And guess who was on Burisma's board? Uh, Devin Archer and this guy named Hunter Biden. Cut 23.
4: I have no doubt that there were illegal activities engaged in by uh, Burisma. As a matter of fact, the criminal case had been started before me. It continued to expand and Vorchevsky, who at the time held the post of minister and was the founder and CEO of uh, Burisma, started bringing in people who could provide protection for him, Hunter Biden was uh, among them. And the corruption network expanded as a result. So yes, to answer your question, uh, There's no doubt in my mind that Burisma was engaged in illegal activities. But wait a
3: second. He wouldn't prosecute anyone. That was the big thing. He was trying to prosecute. He has a much different story. He believes they're trying to kill him right now. So at the very least, he says, I will testify in front of Congress. I will whatever you want me to do. Congress has got to call him, don't they?
8: Well, they, I think they absolutely do need to. And look, we're not saying that everything that this that Shokin is saying here uh, is is true. You have to prove it out, you know, and you have to make your case to the people. But the point is, uh, this puts a completely different spin on this story, and it puts it in a different light. And look, you know, I think you and I and a lot of other people have speculated that the you know the the whole point of getting Hunter was to have him as an insurance policy, one way or the other. Uh, and that's something that I think you know really does play out logically. But it's also Situation where you know we can't just accept the frame that Joe Biden put on this, or the frame that his team put on this scenario. We have to, I think, investigate it further, and we need to know what was really going on there. The way that this looks now, compared to the way that it was treated by the uh, Biden Biden's media allies, you know, at the time that this story initially came out, uh, it's you know, it's shown it's turned 180 degrees from where it was back then. And so I think that that shows that we need to get to the bottom of this. We need to uh, have the details necessary in order to evaluate what was really going on.
3: Exactly. I just, listen, we listened to one point of view for six years. Yeah. Can I yeah. just get the other point of view, please? You know, yes. you know that's all. <laughs> is, is, do you want to engage it? He wants to engage. And he says, by yeah. the way, he's been poisoned three times and he almost died twice. And then Miranda Devine sends me the medical records from a doctor that she verified his signature. There's a signature match on it. So that, So go ahead. You don't like what Shortkin said or, you know, the White House says he did the, he's just as, you know, he's making things up like Senator Ron Johnson did? Really? Ron Johnson's on vacation this week. I don't know why. But next week, I want to find out what Ron Johnson thinks about that because he lost the Senate or else Ron Johnson never would have stopped.
8: Yeah. Yeah. No. I, I think you're. I think you're completely right. And it's one of these things where we can't. We we are well past the point where we can accept anything that this crew is saying about the truth. We have to get to the bottom of it. And you have to hear the other side. Uh, and there clearly is more going on here than what uh, B- Joe Biden claimed initially and what the t- Biden team continues to claim. Uh, and even as they've you know, sort of publicly fudged the story, fu- publicly shifted the goalposts. You know that t- itself is an indication right. that there's more there to be discovered.
3: Yeah. Uh, go. Uh, Chase uh, the Tea Party thing, uh, Ben. We'll talk about it. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. <laughs>
8: Great to be with you.
3: And just a note, Victor Shokin, we'll have the full interview is on a podcast, on the Fox News podcast uh, tree. So go uh, go listen to all of it. Brian Kilmeade Show.
2: It's Brian Kilmeade. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show.
3: You know, I while we keep our eye on what's happening in politics, and it's a lot of fun, you know, Trump on top lost a couple of points by not debating, which means he'll probably end up debating. I agree with Chris Christie. The third debate, I didn't even know this until this weekend, was Alabama being in Alabama third debate. If he loses a couple more points after to DeSantis, he might want to go back in. I think he might especially if gets these cases put off. But the only thing to keep your eye on is uh, what's actually going on in the war in Ukraine. And even though it's not the big breakthrough like they had in Kharkiv, they are making big progress. The 400-mile border to fan out across the border has made it hard for the Russians to ever get on the offensive or try to find soft spots in the Ukrainians. And they're starting to make some major progress And while at the same time keeping an eye on Crimea and they're working out a plan to get their grain ships out. So keep in mind, the Wagner group has left the building because they got so bold. They try to take over the military. And now uh, Pashugin is dead, shot out of the sky, along with the higher ups at Wagner, which blows up their Africa strategy and their fighting strategy. And the Ukrainians getting better and better at fighting. If we can get them some mining equipment and you start making major progress, uh, I think there's going be uh, the, this is going to be a major fall campaign. Do not give up on it yet. I know it's not town after town after town like we thought, but keep your eye on the towns they're taking. They took one over the weekend.
2: From his mouth to your ears, ears. it's Brian Kilmeade.
5: If you believe Donald
8: Trump was the greatest president of the 21st century, which is what Vivek said on the stage, then what the hell are you doing running against him? You know, fact is that Vivek says one thing, does another. Um, He stood up there and said he's not a politician. He looks to me to be the worst of what politicians are characterized to be. Someone who says one thing, does another, and then when you call him, like I did, on the negative things he said about Donald Trump on January 6th in his book. He said he didn't say it.
3: So, Governor Christie, always telling it like it is, I do want him to weigh in also on the legal case, because he had an interesting thing to say about what Mark Meadows' chances of moving into a federal case and what it would mean for everybody else. But you just saying nobody intended to go after Vivek. And Vivek left himself open because of his relatively... Controversial foreign policy, also when he called everybody on the stage bought and paid for, that opened him up. So Governor DeSantis benefited the most because he was ready to be targeted. It's hard not to look defensive when five people come at you, and most of them went after Vivek. I think Tim Scott and Governor Berger have explained to me that they went by the rules, and it took them a while to realize nobody else was. So— They'll be a little different on stage. Governor Bergman, by the way, just mentioned to us as he's leaving. He's almost qualified already for the second debate. If you don't qualify for the first second debate, if you didn't qualify for the first debate, I don't know how you continue. And I'm friends with Mayor Suarez. He's unbelievably talented. He could probably be governor next. He'll give a run for Senate if Rubio ever steps, uh, steps aside or Rick Scott decides he's had enough. Uh, but he's got a promising career, but it doesn't look like it's in the cards this time around. And Larry Elder, unbelievable communicator, great personal story. But if you don't have enough to get on the stage, I think it'll just drown out everybody else. So uh, I don't know how you feel about it, but I'd like to hear. Uh, this is what Nikki Haley said over the weekend with Maria. She's doubling down, and now I think it's interesting to act how she's going at Trump. Trump is winning by a lot. Got it. Uh, she's doubled her, her output. She's around 10 11% now, still far off. But she's trying to say, listen— He's got too much baggage, too many trials. He can't win. Cut 14.
10: It was an honor to serve in the administration and work on foreign policy with him. And I agree with a lot of his policies. But the fact is, I don't know if it's four or five or six or how many indictments it is now, but he's going to spend a lot of time in a courtroom and not on a campaign trail. And my concern is we cannot have Kamala Harris as president. We can't chance this. We have to make sure that we have a new generational leader that's going to bring in not only Republicans, but we're going to pull back the independents. We're going to bring back in the suburban women. We're going to bring in Hispanics. We're going to bring in the Asian community. We have to make sure we win this because the thought of Kamala Harris being president should send a chill up every American spine. So
3: right now, if you look at the latest Reuters poll and who knows, a national poll at this point, but it's so substantial. Trump up 52, DeSantis 13, Ramaswamy 5, Penn 6, Haley 4. Uh, Scott and Christie won. But that's just, you know, it's uh, last week, Reuters poll, they took 347 Republicans and asked them what they thought. Now, another thing that's boiling underneath that you may have missed. So when Sean Hannity interviewed Gavin Newsom, he said, what do you think about debating Ron DeSantis? He said, I'd love to. Let's make it two hours. So they're at least doing it in an hour. Sean Hannity will do it. Both have agreed to go at it. And guess who's angry at it? Joe Biden and Harris. Uh, The vice president, according to reports, advisors reportedly are irked by uh, Newsom's plan to to debate DeSantis, fearing that the sparring match could elevate the governors, both governors, at a time when there's strong appetite for a Biden alternative in 2024. This is Biden's campaign surrogates dodge questions about the president's age. They say dismal polling numbers will improve ahead of the election. I don't think so. Al, listening on WABC in the Yonkers. Hey, Al.
9: Yeah, hi, Brian. You know, uh, nationally, uh, going back to the uh, point you made about can a third party have a a win in a general election, Uh, I can't see it. Uh, Over the decades, we've seen in 68, where George Wallace was able to win 10 million votes, and in 1992, we saw Ross Perot win 19% of the popular vote. Uh, They can't win. But they definitely could make a difference like 2000 when Ralph Nader helped George Bush uh, tip the election to the Republican.
3: So here's what uh, Joe Lieberman said, who won independent and won his Senate seat back. Uh, remember that after he lost the nomination. So he puts – he's a, one of the chairs, founding chair member of No Labels. And just think if you should – they're thinking who's going to run. I mean maybe they'll put uh, Joe Manchin on there and a Larry Hogan on there. Cut 18.
5: No labels is is challenging the political status quo and, and, in a way, the control that the two parties have over our uh, political system. We think uh, there's a real opportunity for a third choice and that it's the American people are telling us on polling we're doing and discussions we're having that they ju- they've lost confidence in the two major parties and by large numbers they don't want to have to choose... Again, between President Trump and President Biden,
3: so that you just not convinced that the people want that much change, I guess. I mean, maybe that that's a key. Uh, Al, thanks so much for the call. Joe Lieberman's one of the great guys. I mean, his foreign policy is more to is more John McCain than it is Joe Biden. I'll tell you that. And he's friends with Joe Biden. And I was talking to a really good friend, a former friend of Joe Biden, who he've known him for forty years. And he said he was calling me by the wrong name during the phone conversation. Can you imagine that? I mean, you're not saying I forgot a face from high school and you're 80 years old. You're saying one of your good friends for 40 years who's still active and in your business, you were calling him by the wrong name. And yet, Roe Kahana had this advice for the president of the United States and telling everybody, get out of Joe's way. I mean, this is laughable. Listen to this, cut 11.
1: Congressman Khanna, you said back in April that you felt that the White House was being too overprotective of the president, that it basically wasn't letting him get out there enough and uh, be his authentic self. Do you feel that uh, top aides in the White House got that message?
7: I think they do. The president has a great story to tell. He's bringing back manufacturing in Ohio, $20 billion in Ohio of new uh, industry. He's focused on the working class. I was actually just in South Carolina yesterday with Bishop Green at A&M Church, and the faith community has a lot of support for him. He's a better politician than anyone who works for him. Let him be out there.
3: Well, number one, he was never a good politician. He knows uh, knows the angles, but he doesn't tell the truth ever. And even on the smallest stories about a, a fire in his house, it's not even accurate. About riding the a uh, conductor riding the train, it's not even accurate, about he does go to a lot of war zones, but tells a fictitious story, homogenized story, uh, about a guy who lost his life in battle that never took place. He says that his son uh, died of battle wounds in Iraq, came back in a flag-draped coffin. It never happened. So why do you want to put him in these situations? Do really think we haven't seen him try to find his way off the stage? And just to show you it's not ageism, I watched Bernie Sanders over the weekend. I saw him do three interviews and parts of a speech. If he was running for president, all you'd be talking about is socialism. All you'd be talking about is his record in Vermont and his wife's jobs and his family's jobs that they got. You would not be saying he's too old. You wouldn't be. Just like Trump is not too old. You know, I like him, but it's not too old. By the way, they're acting. You know, if you want to have a cutoff at 65, go ahead and do that, put it into law. Don w listen listen to w h i o hey don
2: yeah, I
9: listen to newsmax a lot and I think they're missing that this. I'll go after Biden
0: on his climate change with the solar panels. I live in Ohio in Wayne, Holmes County. We've been loaded with solar panels since 1972 when we've had the first one. So take pictures in the sky, pictures of Wayne and Holmes County, with all the solar panels, and then take pictures of all three of Biden's property and Nancy Pelosi in the side defense with all her millionaire friends and then call call Biden out and then ask him, what's this about the book we read it you can buy credits to continue continue doing what you're doing how, how does that help climate change
3: well I'm not sure what you're talking about number one you say you guys make solar panels in the 1970s and you don't make them anymore hello all right uh we're gonna move on Julie listen on FM News Talk 97.1 hey Julie
10: hey Brian Hey, love the Shokin interview, and of course, the Democrats are saying he has no credibility. What about the October 1, 2015 memo from Christina Knowles of the Obama administration recommending to a large group of Obama folks that loan guarantees be approved because Ukraine had made significant progress on anti-corruption? There is no mention in that memo of any any negative thoughts about Shokin. There's just a general reference to the office of the attorney general, but nothing about corruption. You know, it's easy for liberals to say. And can I just well, stop you there, Julia? You're
3: right. I appreciate you doing your research. But adding to that, Victoria Newland, who became a critic, was on record an email to him praising him for his work, says, I know it's difficult, but it's not insurmountable. The same thing from the CIA guy that also was working uh, in Ukraine to try to stand them up after they got rid of the Russian stooge, Yanukovych. He was just placed there. An election ousted him. Russians were upset, but Pershenko won legitimately, and they didn't know how to handle it. So the U.S. said, hey, listen, get, gut these people, get rid of them, and I'll be able to help you guys stand up, maybe make you EU and down the line and NATO eligible. The Russians were all upset about this. The West wanted them to move quickly. So Shokin was asked to come out of retirement to help Pershenko. Next thing you know, he's enemy number one in the, in the core of all corruption. But no one's even talked to him. We were able to talk to him. And I think it's also important to point out what also emerged is Devin Archer visiting the Secretary of State, John Kerry, on record at the State Department weeks before Shokin was fired. This whole administration, Anthony Blinken, constant contact with, drumroll please, Hunter Biden. Really? He was just, Hunter Biden's just a drug-addled guy trying to live off his dad's name without his dad knowing it? And I love this. I was listening to a podcast over the weekend, and they said, well, you know what? You can't blame Joe Biden. He wants to talk to his son. He doesn't know what meetings he's in. I know. Pick your jaw off the floor. So, 10 times, 20 times in 10 years, Devin... Archer can remember Joe Biden calling in or being involved directly in a meeting, a business meeting with Hunter Biden. If you're in a business meeting and you're an adult and your dad calls, you let it go to voicemail and you call back, unless you need your dad to call during the meeting. But if you're the Washington Post, no, there's no link here, there's nothing to see. It's crazy. You cannot get these people to write the real story. In any real time, they're writing the laptop story that Miranda Devine put in a book two years ago. No one even called us even the emails were legitimate to and from Joe Biden and the voicemail. And now they're like, well, you know, Hunter Biden, not a good guy. If he did something wrong, he should be prosecuted. Really? Year four of an investigation. Now Democrats are saying, well, if he did something wrong, he should be prosecuted. It doesn't look good. It doesn't make his dad look good. And you don't think that his dad's involved at all? You don't think his dad's playing a role? No? Okay. Nobody, every clear-thinking person does, by the way. one We come back. I'll take more of your calls, give you more insight, give you more of the Shokan interview, which you can now have a full a, a stand-alone on a podcast. So you get to hear everything, make your own decisions. Uh, you listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show.
2: Want even more, Brian? Download the podcast at BrianKillmeadShow.com. Every episode, exclusive interviews on demand. More of Killmead coming up. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Killmead Show.
4: I have said repeatedly in my previous interviews that Poroshenko fired me
5: at the insistence
4: of the then Vice President Biden because I was investigating Burisma. Because he understood, and so did Vice President Biden, that had I continued to oversee the Burisma investigation, we would have found the facts about the corrupt activities that they were engaging in that included both Hunter Biden and Devin Archer and others.
3: Okay, uh, that's Viktor Shokin's side of the story. You want to hear pushback? There was pushback. They said, oh, the time he doesn't work. Viktor Shokin uh, was uh, uh, um, raising the ire of the world by not prosecuting at a quick enough pace. That might have been the case. Yanukovych put there by the Russians, loses in an election, In comes Perushenko. He says, I want to be part of NATO. I want to be part of the West. I want to be part of the EU. What do I have to do? They say, clean up your act. Okay, so Shokin gets hired. He goes in there, and he's getting early praise. But something along the way, around along the way, Shokin ends up getting the worst reputation. He gets fired, and he believes he got fired because Joe Biden. And then Joe Biden says as much in front of the Council of Foreign Relations. Kevin McCarthy heard the whole interview last night. I'm going to play one more cut, but I'm going to see what Kevin McCarthy had to say too. So this is one thing that Victor I can't verify, but this is his belief. Victor Shokin sits there right now in the Ukraine, $800 a month fixed income. Worried about his security, worried about getting his book published because he has his side. Uh, Cut 27.
4: It is public knowledge. Uh, everybody knows that it was because of uh, Joe Biden's actions that uh, Russia was able to claim Crimea without firing a single shot, uh, which, of course, eventually led to a full-scale war that is currently uh, underway. And uh, I do talk uh, about this uh, in my book. But yes, the damage has been done.
3: So, Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, listen to this. And the Spanish, uh, uh, an impeachment inquiry would give them additional power to start subpoenaing these people and get the records that the White House is making it so hard to get. So, for example, over the weekend, it turned out that Devin Archer went to visit Secretary of State Kerry. I didn't know that. Did you know that? No, we were able to, Fox News Digital, able to discover that. Why would Devin Archer go meet with the Secretary of State? Here's Ken McCarthy, cut 28. Only because Republicans took the majority have we found out what President
12: Biden told us when he was running for office is not true. He... He said he never had any dealings with his son's business and that he never even talked to him. We've now found
11: out not only did he call into the meetings, he went to dinner. And after the dinner,
12: Hunter Biden got a new Porsche that there was three point five million transferred. We now found out as he was a sitting vice president, the family created 20 shell companies. They received 16 of 17 payments from Romania, While he was vice president, we now
3: found that the money would flow to nine family members. He has to continue to change this. So this is a path that's out there. But the deception and the 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 dodging of this story is crazy. No one's pursuing Hunter Biden if it was as it was only as it relates to Joe Biden and the farm peddling. And you're talking about problems with show companies are, uh, to do with business transactions in Romania, with the Moscow mayor, with China. And where is Gina Raimondo today? Where was Secretary of Treasury two weeks ago? Where was Secretary of State uh, Anthony Blinken before that? Where was John Kerry, the, the green czar, before that? All in China. Now, we have... On tape, Hunter Biden saying his dad is sitting right next to him. And you better get that Chinese executive to get us that money, directly to that money. And answer me directly. You don't want to get us mad. And my dad does not forget. Was his dad sitting there? We don't know. Was he bragging that his dad was there? We don't know. Did he know that he was using his name? I don't know. But it it, it hurts U.S. relations because that energy companies linked directly to the Chinese government who know our system as well as we do, and know how detrimental it would be to Joe Biden's career have we find out that he was dealing with China while financing the Belt and Road program that includes rare earth. No joke, Jack. Brian Kilmeade Joe. If you want to order the, uh, if you want to order Teddy and Booker T, briankilmeade.com.
2: news radio studios in midtown manhattan it's the fastest growing radio talk show brian kilmeade
3: hi everyone welcome to the latest moments of the brian kilmeade show i come to you from midtown manhattan heard around the country heard around the world Have a great weekend had a chance to go see messi play at red bull arena and it's amazing 11 goals in 11 games it keep saying sorry for not enough scoring really when the best player in the world continues to score like this I think it's pretty amazing. And if you watch him play off the ball, you realize it's not a coincidence. He doesn't do it by accident. He's not just fortunate. There's a plan there. Uh, we're going to be doing a simulcast with uh, with Harris Faulkner show in 18 minutes. Bottom of the hour, Josh Kroschauer inside this election. So we have a lot of revelations, including what we found out about Jack Smith and what we also found out about a White House meeting. Meanwhile, we're moving forward on the Shokin story. So let's get to the big three.
2: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The
4: founder and CEO of uh, Purisma started bringing in people who could provide protection for him. Hunter Biden was uh, among them. There's no doubt in my mind that Purisma was engaged in illegal activities.
3: So that is uh, Victor Shokin. First time we've heard from him was able to put that... A big interview up. It's on its own podcast. Also, I think it's important for you to know that it was on Saturday night on One Nation, Ukraine. Uh, the rumbles of Victor Shokin interview continue to shake the truth from the Obama years led by Vice President Biden. We're no longer hamstrung to his story. Now we're getting the whole story. Factoring also the Devin Archer testimony under oath. And this thing is getting real interesting. It's even hard for The Washington Post to ignore it. Number
5: two. No Labels is is challenging the political status quo and, in a way, the control that the two parties have over our political system. By large numbers, they don't want to have to choose between President Trump and President Biden.
3: 2024, Trump leads DeSantis uh, as DeSantis stabilizes and Haley gains. And can a third party candidate actually win? Because both the front runners seem to have a lot of unfavorables going unfavorably against their candidacy. In Trump, you have indictments. In Biden, you got everything, including age.
6: Number one. This is one more piece of evidence that, that indicates Jack Smith is engaged in a partisan political indictment of President Trump. Nine weeks before the first indictment drops, he has his uh, his appointed person yeah. there at the White House meeting with him. It's, it's, it's outrageous.
3: There you go, Congressman Johnson. This morning with me on Fox and Friends. It's called coordination, and it shows once again we've been lied to by the Biden bunch. White House and Justice Department found to be meeting prior to the blizzard of Jack Smith indictments. While we have the la- and we will have the latest on the unwieldy Georgia case, as some of the nineteen defendants want a speedy trial. I just watched Mark Meadows walk into a Georgia courtroom. What he is evidently testifying on today. Is he's trying to get his case moved to a federal court? Why a friendly jury, jury out of Fulton County, which is Atlanta, which is quite liberal? What are what else is happening with that case? A couple of things uh, with the with the Trump indictment. There are some, as I mentioned, there are 19 indictments. So uh, also Sidney Powell, uh, the ridiculous lawyer that came up with all these uh, uh, implausible scenarios that led the president down a path in which no other legal analyst would go down and caused a lot of trouble, Kenneth Cheesborough also, they both want speedy trials, and they might be joined by John Eastman, the most prestigious out of all of them. They want a speedy trial in Georgia. Let's get this over. with. Let's find out. What does that mean? It means this case is already going off the rails, and it means they might get October trials. And with that, to me, is watching the game film play out before you actually have to play that team. So I know Trump will be supposed to be indicted differently, and they're going to go after him differently for whatever reason. They're going to do it from the RICO statue and pretend he's a mobster like all these others. But as these others break out, this thing's going to get complicated. And I agree with the governor of Georgia. I don't see anybody getting a trial in that case before this year. Here's Alina Haba, Cut five.
10: President Trump is not your average person. He's incredibly intelligent and he knows the ropes. He also knows the facts because he lived them. These are these are not complicated facts. Look at Fannie. It was a phone call, a phone call that's been around forever, that he refers to as the perfect phone call. What is he going to have to be prepped for, the truth? You don't have to prep much when you've done nothing wrong.
3: Well, you do, and I actually think that's kind of an odd defense. Would you want to say to people to lengthen this out is we're going to need to really research the documents, go through discovery, and to be able to put together a case that deconflicts from the other 18 is going to be challenging. But they didn't say that. So she wanted to make it seem like this is no problem, this case. Listen, I've talked to everyone. You've heard them all. Everyone says there's holes in all these cases. The question is, does the president have the defense team to go do it and blow it open? And will Jack Smith lose again? That's my hope. Got more revelations about Jack Smith. We'll do a simulcast on Fox News Channel in just a moment. Then I'll take your calls. And then I'll have Josh Hour. What an hour. So glad you're back. Get ready. Buckle up.
2: A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade.
3: Hey, welcome back. We're going to go on uh, Fox News Channel shortly. I was on there this morning. It really went well on Fox and Friends. Had a chance to uh, go over my messy package where Saturday night. I spent my day at Red Bull Arena. But now we're going to be talking a little about Chokin, which is also featured on Saturday night, which you've seen a lot of clips still play now. Uh, he's a prosecutor that Joe Biden bragged about firing uh, because his ego is totally out of control. And number two, we are also going to be talking about something that I find even hard to say, and that is the masking up and coming up with a vaccine for a new variant of COVID. I don't know anyone that's taking it, so good luck. Let Joe take twenty of them. Um, I we're not going to. It's not going to do it. I mean, it's to me, it's a non-starter. And people that are going to take it and mask up five times are mentally deranged or have some type of psychosis. They need to see a therapist for. And uh, today, the Missouri anti child mutilation law takes into effect, uh, banning transgender surgeries and treatments like puberty blockers for children under 18 years old. The state AG Andrew Bailey successfully defended the bill before a judge last week. A judge on Friday, however, ruled against the Texas ban on gender treatments. So we're back to this. Let's listen in. Gender
12: treatments for minors. Missouri's new anti child mutilation law takes effect today. It is the latest GOP led state to ban those treatments a texas jug put judge put a hold on a similar ban there friday that same day missouri's attorney general successfully fought off a legal challenge to the new law it'll put an end to this kind of uh, sterilization of children in the state of missouri it'll sharply curtail patients uh, access who are currently receiving treatment more than 20 states across the country now have laws against trans treatment for kids they include bans on surgeries hormone therapies, and puberty blockers. Brian Kilmeade, co-host of Fox & Friends, host of One Nation with Brian Kilmeade, and host of The Brian Kilmeade Show on Fox News Radio, joins me now. Brian, welcome. Michael, good to see you again. So no surprise that these trans bands are getting challenged in court. What's your take? What's my take is any logical person would want to inform parents
3: and look into banning all this. If you have a decision that's so life-changing in its definition, and you can't wait till 18, I mean, how many kids, how many parents would be like, okay, my nine-year-old wants a tattoo. Uh, Kids will be kids. Just tell the teacher, don't tell the parents. That's one thing. And number two, the puberty blockers, let me ask you something. I think this whole thing, is whether it's social media, whether it's the rise of media, general media, This is a manufactured issue that I think that needs to be addressed. But almost everybody I know that I interact with sees no rush. If a kid's confused at a young age, uh, a lot of kids are confused at a young age. They work through it. Anything that could happen could happen after 18 when they're calling their own shots. I am all for Missouri. I'm stunned that Texas was overturned.
12: So treat them with compassion, treat them with care, and definitely don't rush into anything as it relates to this. Uh, Alice Cooper, the legendary singer known (laughs) for his wild makeup, lost his cosmetics deal for speaking out. He called transgender treatments for children a sad and dangerous fad. He went on to say, quote, I find it wrong when you've got a six-year-old kid who has no idea. He just wants to play, and you're confusing him by telling him, yeah, you're a boy, but you could be a girl if you want. You're still trying to find your identity. What about that, Brian? Well,
3: I always get up in the morning and think to myself, what would Alice Cooper do? What would he wear? And where's my eyeliner? But every time I hear a rock star lose a cosmetic deal, I feel sad. Uh, But having said all that, here's the thing. That kid who you say wants to change genders, when they realize in most cases that they made a big mistake, they're going to blame you. So just when you think you're doing what a kid wants, suddenly, when you decide, okay, I guess kids are now going to make their own curfew, decide when they're going to drive, but we'll put that aside. Now Alice Cooper says something totally logical and he loses his cosmetic deal. I say it's time for people to stand up and just continue to speak out. And sooner or later, the world will get back on its axis and we'll be whole again because this is insane. And I think that Europe's getting resentful because we're – We're transferring some of this insanity, this lack of logic, uh, this lack of ability to parent to them. And I say, where did this start? And a lot of it goes back to social media and some of the crazy things going on. And the kids are cold up with the
12: phone and not talking Mm -hmm. to their friends. Then there's this, Brian, new concerns. We could be heading back to the future where COVID is concerned. President Biden is now pushing for more funding for a vaccine that targets the new variant and he seems to be laying the groundwork for another mandate.
1: Mr. President,
12: can you say anything about the of COVID cases and the new variant? Yes, I can. As a matter of fact, I signed off this morning on a proposal we have to
0: present to the Congress a request for additional funding
3: for a new vaccine that is written, necessary, that works. And tentatively, not decided finally, tentatively,
12: to everybody, no they Several major hospital systems are reinstating mask mandates for doctors, staff, and patients as COVID cases tick up. Some colleges are requiring masks as well. Brian, I think I still have PTSD from the first time around. Your thoughts?
3: My thoughts is college shows some backbone. This is the time. If they are got to make your kid do this again, you got to look to transfer. Number two is masks don't work. Look at the studies. They don't protect anything. These are the same people that told us they didn't work, did work. Then when they told us to wear two masks, I even had one of these geniuses tell us on Fox & Friends to consider wearing goggles. All right? We have kids playing sports in masks, which we now know is total folly. They would have be told to t- the referees, tell them to pull them up. And now Mm -hmm. you have these people in hospitals doing to do it because they're afraid of losing funding. And now he's going to say, I'm going to get a vaccine that does work. Excuse me. You told us the last one did work. You told us the boosters work. Then you mysteriously stop talking about it. We'll make our own decisions. And I'll tell you. If they're looking to get a pandemic going to keep people away to these crazy ways to vote and you can have no excuse balloting again and the drop boxes everywhere, no American's going to buy it and it's going to create more uh, consternation as it relates to this upcoming election. So I hope... President Biden has one pollster sitting next to him to say, excuse me, you'll be getting that shot alone. We're not buying into it, and there's risk to go along with it. Since when have you taken any medicine that doesn't have any warnings on it? They're going to try to do that again
12: to us. Please show some backbone. All right, now to your exclusive interview with fired Ukrainian prosecutor Viktor Shokin. He got the ax in 2016 while he was investigating Burisma. And Shokin told you that he knew Burisma was breaking the law and that he believed the Bidens took bribes.
4: The vice president
12: was only acting in his own
4: interests. He, generally speaking handled Ukraine like um, it was his own backyard. He would put people uh, that were suitable for him. I do not want to deal in unproven facts, but my firm personal conviction is that, yes, this was the case. They were being bribed. The fact that Joe Biden gave away $1 billion in uh, U.S. uh, money in exchange for my dismissal, my firing... Isn't that alone a case of corruption?
12: Months before Shokin got fired, then-Vice President Joe Biden traveled to Kiev and met with Ukraine's president. After he left the White House, he shared what happened during that closed-door conversation. As I'm leaving in six hours, if the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Well,
0: son of a... Got fired. And they put in place someone who was solid at the time.
12: Just weeks before Shokin was fired, a State Department email shows that Hunter's former business partner and fellow Burisma board member, Devin Archer, met with then-Secretary of State John Kerry. So, Brian, congratulations on the interview. What were your other key takeaways from that?
3: Number one, he wants to testify in front of Congress. Just ask him. He went on to say that. He also it feels as though his life is being threatened. He was poisoned twice before. And then we were able to, Miranda Devine provided the medical records and the signature match, and the doctor says it was him, that he was really brought back, from, brought back to life twice. Someone's trying to kill him, he believes, unless he had way too much sushi. Number three, he if he is a corrupt guy living the life of luxury and he's that bad, at the very least, he's hiding it well. Because he's living on a fixed income alone. He has a transcript for a book. He says he can't get published. He can't get a job. And he fears for his life on a regular basis. He wants to know if there's any security. And he does want to tell his side of the story. And we're the only one to ask. And whether you think everything he says is true or everything you said is not true, probably somewhere in the middle or leaning towards him, at least we get his side of the story, Mike. At least mm-hmm. we find out instead of that horrible person who's now in a lean-to somewhere in Ukraine trying to survive in the middle of a war while someone seems to be targeting him, now we seem at least get his point. And now we find out that Devin Archer, on a board, they said that Burisma felt as though that uh, Shoyin was indeed a uh, was indeed a threat to them. And mm-hmm. who? why are these Americans on the board? Why is one American on the board whose dad happens to be in charge? Of the have the portfolio for Ukraine, Hunter Biden. I mean, I'm just asking you to follow a logical trail. And now the secretary Mm -hmm. of state's son was involved with Rosemont Seneca. He dropped out for a mysterious reason. But Devin Archer still could get a appointment with the secretary of state that dropped the hat. Oh, and Anthony Blinken, then deputy secretary of state, could was constantly interacting with Hunter Biden. There's a lot of links here. Who wouldn't
12: tie them together? Brian Kilmeade. We should let you get back to the radio. Thanks so, so much for your time today. Go get it, Mike. Thanks. Uh, we never left the radio, uh, but I
3: appreciate it. Um, so it was good to see Mike filling in for Harris. And that's what's going on in uh, the world of television and radio. It's a lot of the same thing. I just want to update you on something that's, that's taking place. I told you today is going to be a big day in court. For at least two of the defendants in Georgia, they want a speedy trial. They're going to get their day. Mark Meadows wants a new venue. He's going to find out if he can move it to a federal court. That would affect the other 19, you would think. Also, Sidney Powell and Kenneth Cheeseborough are the two who want the speedy trial. And maybe it looks like it's going to be uh, John Eastman, too. Meanwhile, in the D.C. documents case, the Trump lawyers are asking for a three-year wait for this trial to start. Now, it looks like Jack Smith wants to speed up the trial and make it in January. Early indications from the judges, re- tweeted out by Jonathan Turley, are this. As expected, the judge told both the special counsel and the Trump team that they should did not view their proposal of trial dates as realistic. Smith wanted next January, Trump wanted 2026. Other people are saying and keeping up to date on what's happening inside that courtroom. It means a lot. So if you postpone these trials and you keep Trump out of the courtroom as much as possible, that makes his candidacy more and more viable. If they're saying January, March, May, then you have his opponents say, hey, he can't do both.
2: The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade.
1: Congressman Khanna, you said back in April that you felt that the White House was being too overprotective of the president, that it basically wasn't letting him get out there enough and uh, be his authentic self. Do you feel that uh, top aides in the White House got that message?
7: I think they do. The president has a great story to tell. He's bringing back manufacturing in Ohio. Twenty billion dollars in Ohio, of new uh, industry. He's focused on the working class. I was actually just in South Carolina yesterday with Bishop Green at a and Church. And the faith community has a lot of support for him. He's a better politician than anyone who works for him. Let him be out there.
3: Uh, that is the most ridiculous recommendation ever, but admirable, Ro Kahana, saying that the thing about Joe Biden needs to be out there more. Number one, he's got to come off vacation. He loves doing that. He doesn't do any interviews. And if you've seen him on stage, he doesn't know how to get on or off I'm really not sure if more him is going to work, but I do have to share this to you. This just came across. Uh, the judge, it uh, looks like Jack Smith wanted his trial to start on the documents case January 6th or something like that, first week in January. And the Trump said, what about 2026? So the judge said neither one of those dates will fly, and it looks like the judge picked March 4th. Joining us now to analyze that, Josh Krashauer. Uh You know Josh He's a Fox News uh, political analyst and editor in chief of uh, Jewish Insider. Josh, welcome back. Uh, I guess I want two things for you to com- comment on. Uh, first off, on the March fourth, the Trump team can't be happy about that.
13: No, uh, it's not not an ideal political time for the former president, who's going to be smack dab in the middle of uh, campaigning. It's, dab, it's, it's. I believe that date is right before the Super Tuesday. Primaries. It's after the first caucuses in Iowa and, and the primary in New Hampshire, but it, it is uh, you know the worst possible time when it comes to the political calendar. Uh, now, look, I, I, the trial should take a while to, 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 to last. There is going to be a lot of evidence, a lot of witnesses. So, you know, I, I actually think most of the nomination process is going to be over before the trial ends. But it adds a whole new wrinkle over whether Trump you know could get convicted could even you know stand for election or what what the, what, what questions would come about if he did get convicted in, in that case um and that adds a very significant wrinkle when it comes to this primary do republicans want to nominate someone who uh is in the middle of a very uh you know very high profile trial and and may actually get convicted uh, by the time it's over
3: which is Nikki haley's uh point specifically uh but there there you have uh you got some uh, you got some, the personal, the trial that he has, uh, civil trial that he has this fall, okay? Whatever that is, it's not going to be, it's going to be a legal fee and it's not going to be televised. And they're going to try to do, now they're scrutinizing his business. And then you got the uh, the personal rape accusation or the follow-up defamation accusation. And then you have the first, this will make, this will be the first one in March. There's another one tentatively scheduled for May, and we'll see in the Georgia case, people do not think, including the governor, that it's going to get a chance to trial before that. And we'll see if it switch, uh, switches venues. But um, having said that, this is what Nick, Nikki Haley said, right to your point, cut 14.
10: It was an honor to serve in the administration and work on foreign policy with him, and I agree with a lot of his policies. But the fact is, I don't know if it's four or five or six or how many indictments it is now, but he's going to spend a lot of time in a courtroom and not on a campaign trail. And my concern is we cannot have Kamala Harris as president. We can't chance this. We have to make sure that we have a new generational leader that's going to bring in not only Republicans, but we're going to pull back the independents. We're going to bring back in the suburban We're going to bring in Hispanics. We're going to bring in the Asian community. We have to make sure we win this because the thought of Kamala Harris being president should send a chill up every American spine.
3: So that's going to be the tactic. Hey, yeah, listen, I like him, too. But if he's going to be in court, he can't win.
13: Yeah, well, that's the electability argument. It's one that has not worked so far. And there have been other national polls showing that Trump is actually running neck and neck with Biden, mostly because Biden is in such, such, such a tough position, position himself um what i think could change and there are a lot of polls that have come out in the last few weeks that show that republicans will support trump trump is the front runner but but if he was convicted you do have about half you know give or take a few points of republicans that might reconsider things so the, 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 at that point you could have someone you know house arrest or whatever whatever penalty he would face who could have a hard time serving as president, and it would almost be perhaps a wasted vote, or uh, you know, it might actually cause some voters, even those who really like the former president, to reconsider their choices. So that is – I mean you basically have most Republicans not taking a lot of these indictments all that seriously. But if it gets to the point where he's convicted on, on these very serious charges out of Washington – you could easily see some Republicans taking a more pragmatic view and saying, do we want someone who will be who will be free and who will be able to run actively against Joe Biden?
3: Right, Josh. And the thing is, too, it was tough on the stage because you say, I'm going to support the nominee. I saw on that form. And they say, well, what if he's indicted? Well, I never really thought of that. I mean, what if he's convicted? I never really thought of that. So they were in a possible situation. I watched all the shows say, these guys are indecisive, Mike. Not really, uh, because they want – are they somebody who's not – their signature doesn't matter or – They just raised their standard. That wasn't one of the mulligans put into the form. But Charles Lane for The Washington Post, I think he's a pretty fair guy, is echoing what I think is astoundment on many in the media about Trump's sustainability. Cut nine. I think
13: what strikes me the most about it is how much it has benefited him politically in the short run in his own world. He raised money off this, Martha. He made he raised more money in one day off this mugshot moment than he did about the f- first indictment in Manhattan. So the other, I think it was $4.2 million this time. So the other thing we're learning here is that this has not only lost the power to shock certain people, it's become a rallying point for him. And in my-
3: So, so he and it's up to 7 million now. So- We're in a world, if if you told the political analysts that, or let's say Josh Krashera was a professor in a political science unit in a university, say, well, if somebody gets themselves in legal trouble, that would just, that would torpedo their candidacy. A former president's been indicted four times, and he makes more money, and his polls get, uh, and his lead gets somewhat wider.
13: Yeah, I mean, look, Trump has been making the argument that the... Department of Justice, uh, the federal federal prosecutors, Jack Smith, all, all these prosecutors across the country are part of the deep state, and they, they're they're out to get him. This is all political, and that has resonated with a whole chunk of, of Republican votes voters. I'd say about forty percent at least uh, have a very very strong attachment to Trump, unlikely to move from him even if he's. Convicted, or even if he faces uh, these serious legal legal charges, um, I, you know I think ultimately, as Nikki Haley said in that soundbite earlier, there there may be a a, a a time when there's a practical reconsideration where you know you, you may think all this is is, is unfair, but do you want to nominate someone who's going to lose? Like do you do you want to look at what happens as the trial goes on and perhaps Trump Trump loses altitude in the in matchups against Biden, and are you going to want to take that risk? And I think. Uh, that is what you're going to be hearing a lot more from other Republicans who are, after all, running against Donald Trump and trying to make, make hay of, of, of his legal problems. It's not an easy thing to do because a lot of Republican voters think these are trumped up charges, no pun intended. But the, the, the reality is there may be a point as we get, you know, we, we watch the trial or follow the trial and, and see the details that come out, there may be a practical reconsideration. And I think the key is whether, you know, the 60 percent or so of Republicans who either are liking Trump but but are willing to look for an alternative, or the anti-Trump Republicans that share about 15, 20 percent of the party, is there an alternative that can emerge from the very, very crowded field we saw on the stage uh, last week in Milwaukee?
3: Uh, great question. No one knows for sure, but it's always great to speculate. So Jack Smith, we know he's got Senator Menendez end up in a hung jury. He's, he didn't end up getting convicted. We know that, uh, that Governor McConnell Uh, also didn't get, he was able to shake, uh, get the Supreme court ultimately overturned his conviction. Uh, and Jack Smith evidently just is, uh, has his eyes set on getting Trump. John Edwards. We know that didn't work out. That was a hung jury too. So Jack Smith has his eyes set on Trump. He says, well, I was just brought back to find out the truth. No one believes that if you, in my view, and now it finds out Fox News Digital is discovered that the White House Counsel's Office met with the top aide to Jack Smith weeks before he, uh, they brought charges against Trump for allegedly mishandling of classified documents. The guy's name is Jay Bratt, who joined the special counsel in November of 2022. Uh, they were evidently in a meeting at 10 a.m. on that date. Uh, Daniel Ray, an FBI agent, Danielle Ray, an FBI agent of the Washington field office, uh, joined them. Nine weeks later, Trump was indicted by Smith's office on June 8th, 2023. Uh, does this show some co- corroboration between the two? They say they didn't discuss the case, but how do we know?
13: Yeah, I mean, look, there's, there's a lot of warranted skepticism about some of these, uh, you know, lawyers, government officials. We saw, you know, the zealousness uh, in the in the Russia Gate investigation that led a lot of, you know, career career government officials to kind of make conclusions that were not backed up by the facts and ultimately make some pretty big mistakes as part of that process. So I, I, you know, we, we, we've learned to be very skeptical for good reason of, of, of some of some of the elites, illegal elites and people at the top levels of, of, of the department of justice. But that said, I, I don't know. If, I mean, I, I ultimately think that Smith's case is going to land or fall on its own merits on, on his view, you know, his, his arguments, his his indictment on conspiracy, that that's ultimately going to be presented during trial. And it's ultimately going to be, be up to a jury uh, to, to make that conclusion. And I don't think, sort of the typical spin, the political spin back and forth really makes a whole lot of difference. It's ultimately going to be what goes on in that courtroom in March uh, as the evidence is, is being presented to that jury.
3: Uh, right. Uh, I agree on the documents case in D.C. And when you look at a jury like that, you can't feel optimistic if you're part of the Trump team, correct? I, you
13: know, look, it, it's D.C. is not I mean, and I know that, you know, legally it doesn't really you know the venue you know, I know the Trump folks wanted it to go to West Virginia. D.C. is a very liberal jurisdiction, needless to say. But um, look, there, there, there's not a, yeah, it, it, it's t- tough to find many Republicans in uh, in, the, in the city of D.C. So I, I would say, at the very least, uh, Smith has home field advantage, if you will, in, in that trial.
3: So th- this takes uh, weeks, and you take about three weeks uh, of the trial itself, minimum. And then you take weeks to get ready for it, minimum. And then that's another three weeks in which you would say, theoretically, unless he's going to do stuff at night, that he's going to be stuck in a courtroom and can't uh, can't go out there. And guess who benefits? A guy that does not like to campaign, is terrible at it, horrible speech maker, doesn't like to do interviews, benefited from being in his basement. And that's Joe Biden. He's like, yeah, my opponent's not doing anything. I'm just going to run the country.
13: Well, the timing couldn't be worse for for the Republicans, because it's not early enough that you'd have some kind of clarity before the Iowa caucuses, before the New Hampshire primary, or even probably before Super Tuesday, enough enough time before Super Tuesday, Uh, yet it may be late enough (laughs) that if he's convicted, it would take place after the nomination is wrapped up. So it really is uh, very tricky um, now that the date has been set, at least for the D.C. uh, trial in March, uh, assuming it does take the amount of time that you suggest, Brian, and I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, the, the primaries could almost be over and Trump could have the nomination wrapped up, but- he could everything could change after after a conviction or after after the, the sentence is, is, is declared um, or his innocence or guilt is decided. So it, it's a very, very tricky situation for Republican uh, leaders. I, I think a lot of them would prefer to have someone new uh, who is not tainted by all these legal problems, but that the voters right now seem to still prefer Trump, and it will take an alternative out of the other candidates to emerge to really challenge the fall And
3: again, I think the field is going to shrink because, you know, for the most part, if you didn't make the first stage – What are the chances you're making the second stage for the debate? And that's going to even thin people out because of the thresholds now and the criteria to get on that stage. So things will start to thin out and maybe get the president out to debate sooner or later. When things get close, he'll have to. It looks like he lost a lot of a couple of points minimum in almost every poll since. When Hunter Biden situation with the Victor Shokin coming out over the weekend, given his point of view, uh, on One Nation, which I host during the weekend, I had a chance to interview him. And now we have this story from Fox News Digital that it looks like Devin Archer met with Secretary of State uh, Kerry a couple of weeks before, a few weeks before Shokin was fired. and He was already a member of Burisma. You know that Kerry's son was actually a part of Rosemont Seneca, and he seemed to bow out. We don't know why. We know that Anthony Blinken was in constant contact with Hunter Biden. He seems to get along better with Hunter than he does Joe does anyone think there's not some legitimate roads to pursue in terms of what the administration was doing behind the scenes with Joe Biden's business operations?
13: And what else do we know, Brian? We know that the White House has not been truthful. That Biden has not been truthful even about the meetings and the connections. That that you know, you could say that they may not look good, but not, there's nothing illegal about them. But they misrepresented the truth on, on on several occasions, at least, and that makes you wonder. As a reporter, when there's smoke, usually there's there's some fire as well. Um, look, that's James Comer. He's he's going to be the point man in the House to really hold hearings and and to uh, subpoena individuals and and to really reveal any any new information that comes out there. I, you know, I think. Look, the the Trump stuff is all bait. People know what they think about Trump and his legal problems. The Biden stuff is new. And and the you know the risk for Biden is that his numbers are already underwater. They're not good. People are worried about his age, his health. If you know, people are not writ large following this as closely. They're starting to. Uh, you're hearing more coverage of of, of of the business dealings and of of the controversies from his from Biden's own uh, attendance at the, at these uh, dinners and and phone calls. And look, if there's more new information that comes out, it can't bode well for Biden's own. Popularity. So he doesn't want to. He already is dealing with the age and health issues. Uh, to have scandal, how to have controversy, right, heading into an election year is, is something that would be a very, very big political happen. Josh,
3: just waiting for you personally. You got that story that Gavin Newsom's debate with Ron DeSantis has irked the vice president and current president. How much truth do you think to that?
13: Oh, yeah. I mean, they're, they're worried about these other younger Democratic governors, the candidates that are emerging, and they may make a better case for the. Party then, then, but Biden is not an effective messenger for his own administration. You were saying this at the outset, Brian. He can't get out there, and he, when he goes to Maui, it becomes a disaster. He can't can't communicate effectively. It's a it, 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 he can't talk about Bidenomics because he's not effective at doing it. So I you know I think there's a point where you know you see Gavin Newsom going on Fox debating around DeSantis possibly. You know it's gonna provide Democratic voters a, gotcha. a chance at an alternative. And it, it, that doesn't look good for Biden.
3: Josh Hour, thanks so much. Always insightful. Appreciate it. When we come back, your turn to finish up strong. You'll listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show.
2: Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
0: I can tell you all those candidates could win in November of 24, and that's exciting. Donald Trump can't win in November of 24. The math doesn't work out. If you're supporting Donald Trump today, you're effectively handing it to Kamala Harris, potentially, uh, down the road. So I think the opportunity is a new face, fresh ideas. But I think Vivek, Haley, Pence, um, DeSantis, they all did very, very well.
3: Wow, uh, Chris Nuneau holding his line, but at first he was saying, there's no way Trump gets the nomination, there's no way. And now he's saying, get out, everybody. If you don't win Iowa, get out, thin the herd, the only way to stop Trump. And now he's saying, if Trump wins, he's the only one that can't beat Joe Biden. We'll have to see. Uh, I think Governor Sooner is a really valuable analyst. I, the thing I like about him, he does not hate Trump. He's never was anti Trump. He said when when Trump's candidate got the nomination over the one that he wanted, can't even remember his name right now, the general, he's like, Okay, I back him up. Even though he said that Governor Stunior has been bought and sold by China. He's like, Yeah, what can you do? And he by the way, he's done after this, New Hampshire. The one thing is clear, Joe Biden's given up on New Hampshire and Trump is up in New Hampshire. Everyone else is single digits, light double digits, maybe ten or eleven percent. But sooner or later, he's going to have to get out there on a regular basis. Not that Trump will ever be lazy. He's always going to outwork you. But he's done very little in Iowa. And he's not done that much in New Hampshire. And I think that he gets energized when he's out there. He should do it. Because if you combine that, a little bit not debating, he could be a little bit flat come election time. But now he got some bad news. March 4th, his first court date. It's official.
8: From the Fox News Podcasts Network. In these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Listen to this show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.